Natural MD Radio, your place to hear the whole truth on health and medicine for women and children and get the tools you need to take back your health naturally starting now. I'm Dr. Aviva Ram. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Natural MD Radio. It's a pleasure to be here with you and to share with you some insights into a hard experience that a lot of people have this time of year. It would be so wonderful if winter was just merry and bright for everyone, but so many of my patients have told me and so many women write into me and say that this is a sad time of year for them. And sad is something I mean a little bit tongue-in-cheek. It's it's a sad experience, but also sad actually stands for seasonal affective disorder. And so many women have asked me how to know if it's seasonal affective disorder, which I call the winter blues, or whether it's their thyroid acting up, if they're having a slow-functioning thyroid that may be causing their depression. It's such a huge question that I even got interviewed by Oprah Magazine on this very topic. If you're wondering why you're not feeling jolly and bright this season, I hope this episode of Natural MD Radio might shed some light on sad and thyroid issues that could be an underlying cause of depression and help you on the road to feeling like yourself again. So as the days get shorter and darker, this change in light naturally makes a lot of us want to hibernate a little more, especially if you're like me and you live in a cold climate. As the months get darker, as the days get shorter, for some people, even on sunny days though, you might find yourself feeling down or even downright depressed. It's actually estimated that about 5% of Americans experience seasonal affective disorder, and it can strike anyone. In one study, people with SAD, 60% of the people in the study had never experienced any significant depression or been treated for depression before. The winter blues can feel as dark and heavy as a storm. And while it's seasonal and you know it's going to end with the spring, it's really no fun to experience. And if it's the first time you're experiencing it and you've been feeling totally fine and all of a sudden, you know, late fall, early winter hits and you're feeling depressed, that can feel really scary. So how do you know if it's probably seasonal affective disorder and not another health problem or related to the depression and anxiety some people feel due to the holidays and often if they have to deal with family of origin, stress, anything that's been you know trauma or drama in the past? Well, here's the thing. Seasonal affective disorder is typically time-based. That is, its onset occurs when daylight starts to diminish and it's believed to be a result of less light exposure leading to disruption in something I've talked about quite a lot in my blogs and sometimes in my podcast, circadian rhythm disruption in susceptible individuals. The primary symptom is depression, but of course, depression can be accompanied by her girlfriends, her companions of poor sleep, feeling like sleeping much more than you usually do, sugar and carb cravings, irritability, low libido, weight gain, especially if you've been eating more comfort foods and exercising less. And sad revolves around the light returning. So if we hit spring and your symptoms typically lift in the spring, or if you start doing the sad treatment approaches, which I'm going to tell you about in a minute, and your symptoms clear up, then it was seasonal affective disorder. 
But sometimes sad isn't sad. Sometimes depression that you experience in the winter isn't due to seasonal affective disorder. And especially for women, it can be an undiagnosed thyroid condition. So how do you know if it might be your thyroid? Well, low mood is a common hallmark of low thyroid function or hypothyroidism. And low thyroid functions estimated to affect one in eight women in her lifetime. It's also thought that in addition to the 28 estimated million women in the U.S. that might be suffering from hypothyroidism, another many millions are walking around with low thyroid function and just have no idea. It's causing symptoms that they don't connect to their thyroid and maybe they haven't spoken with their doctor or their doctor dismisses it as just run-of-the-mill depression or stress or something else. And get this, as many as 15% of women who have been diagnosed with depression and put on an antidepressant might actually have a thyroid problem that's been misdiagnosed and mistreated as depression and really need thyroid treatment, not an antidepressant, to get their thyroid back on track and with it lift their mood. So how do you tell if it's your thyroid or if it's seasonal affective disorder? Well, hypothyroidism in Hashimoto's, which is the autoimmune form, is just, it's not specific to seasons. So while, of course, it could start in the fall or winter if you've never had it before, in general, it's not time-based at all. It doesn't have a time-based start and stop time. It's pretty continuous. And low mood and depression with hypothyroidism are almost always accompanied by additional symptoms. These can include any or several or many of the following, fatigue and exhaustion, constipation, weight gain, brain fog, which is where you have poor focus or a fuzzy feeling in your brain or memory issues, trouble regulating your body temperature. For example, you feel cold when everyone else seems to be feeling pretty warm and comfortable or your hands and feet are always cold. You might be losing more hair than usual or your hair and skin might seem lackluster. You may be experiencing anxiety, not only depression, and you may or may not have trouble with your hormones or fertility. And interestingly, high cholesterol can be a sign of low-functioning thyroid. So if you've had that and nobody's checked your thyroid, it's really important that they do, especially if you have these other symptoms. So if you have low mood and you don't have these other symptoms and the low mood started, especially around the fall or winter, then it's probably seasonal affective disorder. If you have low mood and it's really just around the holidays and you know that you're getting really anxious or stressed or depressed about, let's say, going home to see your family or maybe you've had loss or sadness at this time of the year in the past, it's the first anniversary of a breakup or a miscarriage or a family member who passed away or a friend who passed away, that's, that's different. That's natural depression that is really grief. It's grief that just feels so hard and sad. If your depression is accompanied by any of the symptoms that I mentioned, the fatigue, etc., and especially if it's been going on for longer than the fall and winter, then it's really important to get checked out for a thyroid problem. Or if you have new onset of depression and it's accompanied by those symptoms, now depression can cause fatigue. And if you're eating carbs like crazy and not exercising, that can cause you to have some weight gain. And depression can also make you feel a little unfocused. But if you have a cluster of those symptoms together and it's been going on for a while, 
then there's a really good chance it's your thyroid. And if you have those other symptoms, if you're not sure whether it's seasonal affective disorder, SAD, or winter blues, go ahead and get your thyroid worked up. Now, fatigue and lack of motivation with thyroid symptoms often feel pretty staggering. If you're not feeling especially motivated to go to work one day, or you're just not feeling like getting out of bed when the temperature drops, and your down comforter, you know, it suddenly feels like a thousand times cozier, that's a pretty normal reaction to winter. But if your lack of motivation and fatigue start to feel outsized and sort of omnipresent, they're just they're there all the time. Or if you're dragging, you know, you really feel deeply fatigued, it's definitely worth getting your thyroid checked out. If exposure to sunlight, like moving your workstation at work to an area with a brighter window, getting outside for 15 minutes in the middle of the day for, you know, every day for a couple of weeks, or sitting in front of a light box, which I'm going to explain to you in a minute, uh, once a day for two weeks doesn't help, that might be a thyroid, again, problem, especially if it's accompanied by any of those other symptoms. Or again, just to reiterate, if you're low mood and fatigue, start before and persist past winter, you want to consider the possibility of a thyroid disorder or, of course, more nonspecific depression that can result from chronic inflammation, gut problems, chronic underlying infection like Epstein-Barr. So those are some other things that you want to think about with depression that might not just be seasonally affective disorder. And certainly, if you still feel crummy when the days get longer and brighter, that's definitely a reason to get a further workup. Interestingly, and this is something that I actually have recently discovered, there is a small percentage of people where they experience in something called summertime affective disorder or reverse seasonal affective disorder. So it's weird. Some people don't experience it in the winter at all, but then they start to feel it as soon as spring and summer hits. I can't explain that to you at all why it happens physiologically, but just beware. It's not just winter seasonal affective disorder. There's this whole flip side. But for you, if you have SAD or you have a thyroid problem, SAD will, winter SAD will get better as the light, as the days get longer. So starting, you know, late Jan, early February, you might start to notice, hi, I might be feeling a little better. Certainly as we edge into March and April, you do with a thyroid problem, that wouldn't happen. So if you have any of these symptoms or you suspect you have a thyroid disorder, the most important thing to do is see your primary care provider and ask her to run thyroid labs for you. The first step is to get an accurate diagnosis. But interestingly, the labs that are often used and the way those tests are often interpreted can lead to misdiagnosis or underdiagnosis, and that can lead to lack of appropriate treatment. At the same time, overtreatment can be one of its own problems in the functional and integrative medicine world. So you don't just want to go to someone who you tell them your symptoms and they say, oh, that sounds like a thyroid problem. Let me give you all these supplements and let me put you on thyroid medication because then you might be missing another important diagnosis that isn't due to your thyroid and now you're getting medications and supplements that you don't need. So you don't want to go on to thyroid treatment without a clear diagnosis. I write more about the different types of thyroid disorders and how to get them tested in a blog that I have and also have a separate podcast on that. So I'm giving you the links to the blog that you can actually print out. And I also have an ebook called Thyroid Insights that has all the labs in it. So you can get that for free, and the links to all of those are below this episode. A proper diagnosis and the right treatment can be totally life-changing. 
One of my patients told me she felt like someone had finally turned her lights back on. I hear all these things. Oh, some, you know, like I feel like I got somebody hooked me up to jumper cables and you know, finally got my spark plugs going or somebody turned the windshield wipers on. The things that women say are so amazing when their thyroid starts working in and they're like, oh my goodness, it wasn't me. It was my thyroid. And there's a huge modern-day thyroid epidemic going on, along with epidemics of a lot of autoimmune diseases. And 85 or more percent of people who have a thyroid problem, particularly Hashimoto's, which is 90% of all thyroid problems in the United States, are women. So I talk about this in an article and also podcast, Women and Thyroid Health, What We All Need to Know. Again, the links are below the episode for that. If you do have a thyroid problem, the next best step is to explore the root causes and understand the best path for treatment, including whether and which medications might be best. And as an MD, midwife, herbalist, I'm, you know, I'm so keen to help all of my clients, my patients, my, you know, clients who buy my programs and you with really the most natural approach possible and also sometimes getting on the right thyroid medication can just be a complete life-altering, improving experience. So in my book, The Adrenal Thyroid Revolution, I walk you through everything you need to know about addressing the root causes of thyroid problems and how to sort through the best medication and medical treatment options for you and how to decide whether you are someone who might benefit from a pharmaceutical approach in combination with the natural approach. So the link for that, of course, is below the episode. And check out my program that's going to be starting in the third week of January. Registration is going to go up soon. And it's called the Adrenal Thyroid Solution. And it's basically how to crack the code on your energy, your thyroid, your adrenals. And it's the companion course to the book. It's going to be a really fabulous eight-week walkthrough of the book together. But of course, there's a book. There's Thyroid Insights. Thyroid Insights is totally free so that you can get all this information and start to take back your health. Now, to bring this back full circle, I want to share with you some things that you can do if it is seasonal affective disorder. And these are great things that you can try for two or three weeks and see if it starts to lift your mood. And if it does, then there's a good chance it wasn't a thyroid problem. And then you can decide whether you need to further pursue a thyroid problem. For most women, waiting two or three weeks to get an assessment for a thyroid problem is totally reasonable and safe. And you can also go get the labs done ASAP and then start these other things in the meanwhile while you're waiting for the labs to come back because that usually takes a week or so anyway. So if you think it's seasonal affective disorder, here are some of the top recommendations that I have of things that you can do. So here are seven top tips for me. The first is let there be light. Getting outside at least once a day when the sun is high in the sky, that can really make a difference in your mood, especially if it's sad. If getting outside is tricky because of ice or snow or work demands, then there are a couple of things you can do. One is actually sitting with your face toward a sunny window for like 20 minutes first thing in the morning. And if you can repeat that by moving your workstation at work can make a huge difference. There are studies that show that doing that can resolve seasonal affective disorder. If you don't feel like you're getting enough energizing effect from the sun, then you can consider a light box. And I have a colleague who I, she told me she was experiencing sad. I told her about the light box and a few of these supplements. She's experienced it for years, years, years. 
And she's like, this is the first winter. I can't believe it, Aviva. I'm waking up in the morning and feeling great and going about my day energized. The one thing she said is that she notices if she skips a day or two of the light box, she can feel that mood kind of like that sad mood kind of creeping back in. So the main thing is to really try to do it every day. And if you're traveling and you can't bring your light box with you, then make sure on those days to get that first morning light, sit, you know, have your breakfast, have your cup of tea or coffee in a window somewhere. So you're really, really getting that light. And a typical dose of light that's recommended prescriptively for a light box is 10,000 lumens for 30 to 60 minutes a day. But honestly, 20 to 25, if that's all you can do, that's fabulous. Or if you can have a light box at your desk and sit there while you're working, that's awesome. The second thing is to mind your circadian rhythm. As I mentioned, SAD is probably triggered by changes in circadian rhythm or your sleep-wake cycle due to changes in the amount of daylight we're getting during winter or just not getting exposed to enough daylight and getting too much darkness at night. In fact, a lot of studies have shown now that it's not even getting seven hours of sleep at night that makes a huge difference. It's getting enough darkness at night that makes a huge difference. So if you're not getting balanced in your sleep light wake cycles or your dark light wake cycles, this place in your brain called the suprachiasmatic notch gets dysregulated. When that gets dysregulated, it totally disrupts your cortisol and your melatonin. So it affects your stress response, it affects your inflammation, your immunity, your mood, your hormones, and not getting enough melatonin affects your sleep, your detoxification, and it can really just upset your whole rhythm, and we really pay for that with our mood. So getting high quality sleep is really important and then balancing that out with getting enough light during the day and getting light exposure. And you can help yourself in the quest for better sleep by sticking to a set bedtime and wake time. And interesting, a daily difference of about 15 to 20 minutes in sleep-wake cycles is okay, but when possible, avoid getting to bed at 9.30 one night and then like 12.30 a.m. the next. You want to kind of stay within about a 15 to 20 minute consistent range for going to sleep and the same for waking up to have a really regular sleep-wake cycle. The other thing is avoiding electronics for at least an hour before going to bed. And if you have to be on your computer or tablet or phone before bed, install free software like Flux that changes the color of your screens at night to make them a little bit more circadian rhythm friendly. Although still getting off of those within an hour before bed is really one of the most protective things that we can do. And then also not over caffeinating, especially late in the day. So if you're someone who has trouble going to sleep, you're waking up tired in the morning, try not having caffeine past like 2 p.m. at the latest. Okay, number three is to emphasize healthy fats and high-quality proteins. Both of these are great for brain health, and they also help keep blood sugar steady, which actually is important in helping to stay regulated in your circadian rhythm. Balanced blood sugar is also especially important for your mood. Riding a blood sugar roller coaster, like when you eat high sugar or high-carb snacks, and then your blood sugar soars way up, but then it comes crashing down, too often or for too long can trigger an inflammatory response in your body. Those chemicals that are produced during inflammation can contribute to a depressed mood. They can actually cross what's called your blood-brain barrier and cause inflammation and, and depression in your brain as a result. Also, those inflammatory chemicals 
further upset circadian rhythm. Now, there are some fabulous supplements that you can use for seasonal affective disorder. And don't worry about memorizing all the doses and names. Below the podcast, there's a link to my blog, which has all of these written in it for you. So you can print that out, screenshot the page, take them to your local health food store, or you can order supplements online. I've given you a link to my formulary below this episode, or you can get these in many, many different places. So my favorite supplements for seasonal affective disorder are, drumroll please. Oh, and please know I have no financial relationship to any companies that I mention. I'm just totally mentioning these companies because I know so many of you appreciate that when I do. And with things like uh, essential fatty acids, I want to make sure you get ones that are really companies that really pay attention to heavy metals like mercury or with curcumin. I want you to make sure to get ones that have bioavailable curcumin. All right, so taking it from the top, although these aren't necessarily in any kind of order. Omega-3 fatty acids can have a powerful and positive impact on many different kinds of depression, including seasonal affective disorder. I recommend a dose of up to two grams of combined DHA and EPA daily, and I recommend Nordic Naturals, but if you are a vegetarian, you can use a product like Omega Twin by Barleen's. And you can do that if you're pregnant as well. So this is totally safe within pregnancy. In pregnancy, I usually recommend discontinuing it for about two weeks before your due date. There's some theoretical risks of increased bleeding. Again, these are theoretical. These have not actually been seen. But a lot of OBs, particularly if they're worried they're going to have to do anything surgical, want to make sure there's no increased bleeding risk so you don't want anybody to get upset or freaked out. So, But for everyone else, up to two grams a day, And then again, considered safe during pregnancy. If you're not comfortable during pregnancy going up to that high a dose, use the Nordic Naturals prenatal product the way they recommend at the dosing they recommend. My next, one of my next favorite supplements is curcumin, which is an active ingredient from turmeric, which has been shown to have adaptogenic, antidepressant, and anti-anxiety effects. And it's one of my absolute go-to supplements in my practice for depression and anxiety. Now, turmeric itself, as an herb, powder, spice, etc., is fabulous for gut inflammation. But for the mind and mood benefits directly, it's really the curcumin that works its magic. And that's at a dose of about 330 to 500 milligrams a day of specially prepared products, either products that are combined with piperine, black pepper, or specially formulated for absorption. So examples of those are Mariva, Curcumavale, and curcumazorb, but you want to make sure they're formulated to be more bioavailable. I don't recommend that during pregnancy. The next natural supplement that I recommend for my patients and is SAM-E, and that's a natural substance that's important for methylation, which is a process that's involved in not only protecting your cells and your DNA, but in making chemicals called neurotransmitters, which control your mood. It shouldn't be used with bipolar depression, but it actually has been found to be safe during pregnancy. A typical dose is 400 milligrams a day, but up to 400 milligrams twice a day may be needed for an optimal therapeutic effect. And rarely, it has been shown to cause mild gastrointestinal symptoms, sweating, dizziness, and anxiety. So start with 400, see how you do. You can go up to the 800 to 400 twice a day. But if you don't feel great on that, just go back to the 400. 
And any of these that I'm mentioning today can be combined. So you can use all of these supplements that you want or just pick and choose what you feel comfortable starting with. St. John's Wort is my next, and that's been proven to help with moderate to even severe depression in numerous really good quality studies in up to 20,000 people. So it's really substantial, the amount of studies that prove that St. John's Wort is, is effective. It's also more effective than conventional antidepressants like SSRIs, like Prozac, with fewer side effects, pretty much no known side effects. There's caution if you're on any immunosuppressive medications or if you're on oral contraceptives. So if you're on a birth control pill, what it does is it actually lowers estrogen in your circulation. There's never been any pregnancies associated with people using it with oral contraceptive, but I wouldn't want that to happen if you're using it for birth control. So that would be the time that you wouldn't use it or check out my my blog and my podcast on the pill and think about whether you want to be on the pill because that in itself can be causing depression. For St. John's wort, a typical dose is 300 milligrams two to three times a day in a product standardized to something called a hypericin at 0.3% or about two to four milliliters of the tincture twice a day. Again, remember, this is all written out for you in the blog with the link below this episode. Adaptogens are a powerful group of herbs that have been shown to help protect the body from the impact of circadian rhythm disruption by supporting the axis in the brain and the adrenals called the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, and that's regulated by circadian cycles and also controls stress, mood, and inflammation. To learn more about how to reset your circadian rhythm, check out the link to the podcast and blog below the episode. And also to learn more about adaptogens, I've given you a link to several articles that I've written about adaptogens. Last but not least, consider taking a high-quality probiotic with at least 15 billion colony-forming units of lactobacillus and bifidobacterium combined species. Increasing evidence suggests that disrupted gut flora can contribute to a disrupted mood, including depression and anxiety. And check this out. Your gut flora can get jet-lagged. Your gut flora, in other words, are sensitive to circadian rhythm disruption. Studies have shown that eating live active culture yogurt or taking a probiotic can improve women's moods. And I also extend that to fermented foods in general like sauerkraut, kimchi, and miso. But if you're experiencing depression rather than just being preventative, I recommend taking a probiotic supplement. Now, getting physical may be the last thing you feel like doing when you're having a low mood. Like who wants to get up and exercise when you really just want to pull the down comforter over your head or curl up on your sofa with, you know, your hot cocoa and your remote control for your TV and your old reruns of Friends. But the reality is, is that a little bit of aerobic exercise goes a really long way to boosting your mood and even a short brisk walk. Like 10-minute or 15-minute brisk walk can make a huge difference. Yoga done several times a week can be incredibly beneficial for lifting your mood. And if you do it in a class, then you're also getting some social benefit and you're getting out, especially if you walk to your yoga class. But you can even do it at home. So an online program like Yoga Glow, which is Yoga, G-L-O, it's like $18 a month. They have a two-week free trial. I love it. I subscribe to it. I don't get any like affiliate commissions or anything. I'm just telling you about it because I love it. 
can really make a difference if you're not feeling like getting out for yoga or you live kind of remotely. Another thing is, okay, this is going to sound so goofy, but getting silly. So for example, I have a jump rope and a hula hoop and I use them indoors. I I grew up in a New York City apartment building. I'm sure I drove the people who lived beneath me nuts because we were the top floor of a seven-story building. But I, ever since I was a kid, I've indoor jump roped in the winter. I love it and I still do it. And an old friend of mine, when I started medical school, she gave me a hula hoop as a joke to like, you know, keep myself in good spirits and giggle and laugh and stay youthful. And honestly, I have the same hula hoop. I love it. And it's something about hula hooping, especially if you did it as a kid, just kind of reconnects you to your girlhood self. And that can be so freeing and positive and be, it's just going to make you laugh anyway. And if you want to get serious about it, you can actually YouTube some hula hooping stuff. Just don't be intimidated. There are some women out there doing some like really badass hula hooping stuff. All right. Staying social is so important. Winter makes a lot of us want to hibernate. The days are short. The nights are cold. You want to sit on your couch under a wool blanket and read a good book. I get it. I go there sometimes too. But the thing is, if you're already feeling down, social isolation just makes you feel more down. So try not to succumb to the siren song of your sofa. Make sure to stay connected to your friends Stay accountable to getting out of the house by paying for a class or joining a group or create a walking group at lunch with, you know, your girlfriends at work and have somebody who keeps you accountable with an advanced commitment and makes you feel compelled to show up, right? This is definitely where like a little guilt, a little embarrassment for not showing up can be a good thing. And whoever you're having hold you accountable, I mean, if you're holding them accountable back, it can be really beneficial for both of you. And staying social raises up our oxytocin. Oxytocin is our feel good, have confidence, feel loved, and snuggly hormones. It's really important. It counteracts the stress response. And last but least, not least, sorry, last but not least, is spending time in nature. So getting outside boosts your mood. It boosts your immune system. It's a total win-win. And getting outside can also be a triple benefit when it comes to back to like wrestling away those symptoms of seasonal affective disorder because you get moving, you get sunshine, and you get the benefits of the natural world. And then bam, if you do it with a friend, you get that social benefit too. All right. But if you just can't get outside, you live in like Antarctica and you're doing Arctic research on like penguins or something. I get it. Check this out. Houseplants can also boost your mood. Okay. So maybe it's hard to get houseplants in Antarctica, but all the rest of us can go somewhere, get some houseplants, bring some green friends into your living and your working space for a quick mood reset. So here's the thing. Happiness is, I believe, our natural state as human beings. Yes, life offers us all kinds of challenges and sadnesses. But in general, we want to be happy. We're meant to be happy. And if you're sad or depressed for a persistent amount of time or for no explainable reason, or if it's accompanied by other symptoms, there's almost always an internal reason that can be identified and treated so that you can find your happiness again. And if it's seasonal affective disorder or your thyroid, both of these are really treatable with the right approaches. So it's my hope that this episode of Natural MD Radio has helped you to, first of all, not feel so alone and know that this is not you. This is 
seasonal changes. This is environmental and social things causing so many women to have thyroid problems now. And that there are things that you can do. You can start the things right in this episode and feel better within even a couple of weeks. Now, I do want you to know that there are times to see a healthcare provider aside from getting your labs for your thyroid. If your systems persist, if you have thoughts of self-harm, if you're experiencing any symptoms that are worrisome to you or a family member who says, you know what, I'm a little concerned, it's really important to consult your primary care provider and just get a good checkup for what might be going on. I hope that this season brings you great joy and delight and light and happiness and love. And if it's not, I hope this episode of Natural MD Radio has brightened your day and given you some steps and tools that you can use to take back your health. If this has been at all helpful for you, please share this with someone that you also think might get some benefit from it pay it forward and let me know with a comment over on iTunes because your comments not only let me know that this was helpful and important to you, but also those comments help elevate the podcast so other women who are in need receive it. Thank you so much and I'll see you in the next episode of Natural MD Radio. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Natural MD Radio. If you did, please go to avivaram.com and join the conversation about the show on my blog. And while you're there, be sure to sign up for my newsletter. It's free and it's jam-packed with powerful tips to help you take back your health naturally. That's avivaram.com. Take care and see you next time.